0: Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, we, um, on the last Sunday after Epiphany, and so we continue to celebrate this great feast. We come upon a time in the Lord's life where uh, John is headed to prison uh, because of his preaching. And so Jesus moves out of Jerusalem into Galilee. Just a short history lesson for you. Um, When the uh, nation of Israel, all of Jacob's sons, crossed over the Jordan River into uh, the Promised Land, they were all given, each each of the tribes were given different land. And Zebulun, the son, Naphtali, Nephtali, the other son, were given uh, time, uh, regions in the north, right around the Sea of Galilee. Um, and as the nation grew and developed, uh, non Jews began to live in that area. Jews that weren't necessarily practicing, seen by most Jews as secondary citizens. So Jesus escapes to this place. It's very interesting. You know, he kind of escaped to Egypt. You no, know, what did he do there? He consecrated Egypt. What did he do to Galilee? He consecrated Galilee. He doesn't go someplace to escape. He goes a place to consecrate, to make holy. And so uh, we hear these words uh, from the prophet um, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali toward the sea across the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. So what happened in Galilee? The light showed up. <laughs> it wasn't an escape. It was a, a, an unexpected. Uh, the light shining in Galilee. So very, very beautiful for us. But this contrast, I think, is important for us to look at. Darkness, light shines in the darkness, in the shadow of death. Uh, So what is this darkness? Uh, It's manifest in several ways. Two things. One, it's manifest in uh, ignorance. And it can be manifest in forgetfulness, darkness. For the Gentile, it was ignorance. He Did it, it didn't know, didn't know Christ, didn't know the light, didn't see the light. So we need to understand that in our own lives as Christian people, it's important that we have uh, a routine that draws us to know God, that, that draws us to the knowledge of God Uh, grant us the knowledge of the truth so we need this sense in our life that our routine of life is bringing us the knowledge of God so I want to encourage you in one thing and I know many of you do but read the scriptures every day It's, it's where we get this the saints are very clear. The Gospels and the Psalms are essential, but reading the scriptures and getting ourselves into a rhythm of reading the scriptures daily really begins to kind of fill up our mind with a knowledge of God. Who Christ is, what Christ did, what God is expecting of us. I just encourage you very, very much to read the scriptures every day. They're, they're full of life. They're full of knowledge, and they bring that to us. Uh, we can kind of float around a bit and uh, pick and choose things we do, but make it a, a solid part of your day that the scriptures are read every day. It, 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 there's a nice, the calendars are out there, they're nice. You know, you've got a, it's not a long reading you need to do, but it's really important to touch them every day. I'd really very much encourage you to kind of, kind of keep that As a part of the routine, you know, around, even around the dinner table, you could have that there. You could read them at the dinner table. You could read them before you go to bed, in the morning, at your prayer time, wherever it is. But try to keep that in your life. The sense of ignorance can creep into our life very quickly. And we can just kind of forget out of sight, out of mind, right? So we don't want to fight ignorance by accepting and bringing to us the knowledge of God. So that encouragement to you. And then the Jews, the darkness was forgetfulness of God. You know, their pattern of life, sadly, even when they crossed over the Red Sea, to me, this is an amazing thing. You're slaves in Egypt. And you're miraculously released from slavery by Pharaoh, and you are now sitting at the edge of the Red Sea, and behind you you see a cloud of soldiers coming to kill you. And then Moses takes his rod and sticks it in the ocean. They say he did this to, to, He did this to open it, and he did that to close it. OK, the cross. And the sea opens, and you cross over the sea, and then your is chasing you, and they all are killed. And you're now across the Red Sea, free from your enemy, free from slavery, and what do you do? You complain. <laughs> it's like, what are they doing? We don't have enough food. We don't have anything to eat. So what's God do? Sends manna, bread from heaven, heaven... The bread, they said the bread of the angels. Okay, we don't just, bread's not enough. So he sends quail so they can have meat, you know, right? So what happens? They still complain, right? They complain. They forget God. They forget him. And if you read the Psalms and many, many of the Old Testament texts, it's about remembering the things God did. Be thankful. Be grateful. Remember the things that God has done in your life, what God is doing in your life. Begin to cultivate the virtue of gratitude. Don't just be thankful. Cultivate the virtue of gratitude so that your whole life becomes a thanksgiving. You see the difference? You can thank God for stuff, but your whole life can be a thanksgiving. a a heart that is full of gratitude toward God. But you have to cultivate that by thanking God, by remembering the things that God has done. So I did encourage you to, to kind of flee forgetfulness, we need to find gratitude. And that light, then that light of Christ shines in us. The beauty and love of the Trinity begins to fill us up. So we need to flee ignorance through our reading, and we need to flee forgetfulness through thanksgiving. And then this message that comes, that the the Lord uh, preaches um, at the very end of the gospel text today, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Always, every time I hear that, it sounds hard. Does it sound hard to you? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Flip it around. The kingdom of God is at hand. So what should you do? You see, the reality, the reality is here. So, and so John preached it in one sense, since the, the, the kingdom was coming. Christ preached that the kingdom is here. So we should then, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is present. The kingdom is in us. It should encourage us to repent, right? It shouldn't be like a demand. Repent! It should be an encouragement to us. We should be repenting so we can live more fully in the kingdom. That's that's the goal of repentance, is to live more fully in the kingdom, to be forgiven our sins, to be strengthened to not repeat them, and to be healed of the sins we've committed that have injured our souls and maybe even our bodies. So we need to understand the power of repentance for us. It's very, very important and a beautiful thing. I think we need to kind of keep that very clearly a part of our life that we repent because the kingdom of God is in us. We repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. right? Because then we are healed, we're strengthened, we're forgiven. So this this beautiful thing that begins to kind of grow in us, I think, uh, that that sense of repentance is something that we need to uh, establish in our life. Confession, uh, when you sin, to get up very quickly from your sin, these things are very, very important to us in regard to our repentance. And repentance then brings a change of life. Are there things in your life that need to change? How many? That's like, you're right. Don't have enough fingers, right? Are the things in your life you need to change? What's the beginning of change? Repentance. repentance. Because God is there to forgive, to heal, to strengthen. So we need to begin to understand this. You know, we, we make a list of things we need to deal with. They begin, the beginning of that effort needs to be repentance. Because repentance then starts touches something very deep in us. God touches us very, something deep in us with his forgiveness, with his uh, strength, and with his healing. So I would encourage you very much in regard to, in your struggle, in this life, find repentance as the beginning of change, that new house in us. And then finally, I want to end a little bit with a comment on the epistle. Uh, and this this part, and the last uh, verses of the epistle reading. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what I want to say just briefly about this. Well, first, let me show you. Do you have your bulletins there? Okay. Look on the back of the bulletin. And I want you to see the bus ride there. You see the bus ride? See everybody in the bus? That is a picture, a very important picture, of the church is it's such a critical piece in our life to understand this that everybody in the church community is essential for us to be the church we need each other we need everybody here all the time as best you can right because it it's how we become the church. The church isn't just a thing. It's just not a list of people. It's a group of people that gather to become the church. We're becoming the church. You know, I love that bus ride. Because when I watch in that bus ride, I see the church becoming the church. I see the younger kids sitting on the older kids' laps. I see us singing and dancing. Yes, dancing. In a bus. There's no seatbelts. It's an awesome bus. But to me, it's just such an important piece of who we are and to understand that's what the church is. We need each other, every bit of each other. Every person needs to be present together in, in our activities and in things we do as best we possibly can. We need to understand and see that your struggle is my struggle. Your tears are my tears. Your joy is my joy, and I want to touch that. And it makes me, it makes us who we are as a community. For me to be with you, and you to be with me, in every aspect of our life, the good and the difficult, okay? That, that's such a critical piece of who we are. We can come together and then depart, okay? We can do these things, but we want to, to if we're going to become the church God wants us to be, I believe, we need to find that relationship that God has given to us. And to be able to live with each other in love, in forgiveness, in patience, all these things, the demands that God puts on us as a community are all the virtues. We need to be that for each other. I just want to encourage you how important this is. That, that we're not, we just don't come together to come to liturgy. We come together to become something. Bigger than who we are. Better than who we are. And God makes that happen when we come together. And when we begin to touch each other's lives. This is such a critical piece of who we are as a church. This, this, these words of becoming the church were given to us by Father Alexander Schmemann. You come together to become become. So I want to encourage us in this, that we see this as who we are as Christian people, that as we gather, as we come to worship God, as we come to gather as a community, it's really becoming something bigger than who we are as individuals and bringing us together to become that which God desires us to be, which is his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.